This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. Fifteen years ago, residents of Pilsen and Little Village had a meeting with administrators from St. Anthony Hospital. They wanted to address the lack of accessible health services in the area. The result? They opened a community health center on South California Avenue called Esperanza, the Spanish word for hope. Today, Esperanza has four sites on the city's southwest side that offer bilingual primary care and behavioral health and wellness services. One of Esperanza's main goals is closing the gap in mental health care across Chicago's southwest side. Dan Fulweiler, the CEO of Esperanza Health Centers, joins us for a more complete picture of who they are and what they do. As you said, we were really founded to address the need for um, high-quality primary care services on the southwest side, specifically for Spanish speakers. About 70% of our patients are Spanish-speaking, and we like to meet them where they are. So all of our providers, both physical and mental health, are fully bilingual, and we are very proud of that. What is your approach to providing mental health services and comprehensive health care? Are there specific things you take into consideration? Yeah, there definitely are. I mean, mental health is a huge um, problem in the communities that we serve especially because people can't necessarily take the time to do what they need to do. So people who are working full-time jobs during the day, maybe hourly jobs, they can't get off time during the day to see a therapist, sometimes two jobs. And so sometimes it can be really hard for them to meet their needs. So we do a lot of things to try and meet that. We have extended hours. We're open into the evening, four nights a week. We also are open every Saturday um, from 8 till 5. And so that really helps ease some of that burden. But one of the other things that we do that's really important, we think, is that we do what we call integrated behavioral health care. So all of our behavioral health therapists work really closely with our physical health care providers, our doctors and our nurse practitioners. And they're actually available in the clinic all day long. So if a doctor, for instance, is in the clinic with a patient, and I think this happens quite frequently, who's having complaints, um, maybe um, sort of vague complaints like my back hurts or I'm, I'm having problems sleeping, a lot of times that can be the result of a mental health issue. And what's happening is that they're somatizing that. They're taking mental health issues and putting them into their body. And a lot of times doctors can help with some of those things, but they also really need somebody to back them up, to pass that person off to and say, you know, I think if you talk to our counselor, she might be able to help you or he might be able to help you. They can address some of the anxiety that those people are having. And a lot of times the physical health complaints can get better. Is it difficult to to get people to think about their health in that way? Because so often 
we think of a physical ailment as just that, a physical ailment that can be treated with medication or maybe a surgery. We don't necessarily connect it to our mental health. Yeah, absolutely. It can be difficult. And I think that um, it's one of the things that we can see with a lot of patients. Actually, when I've struggled with my own mental health issues, sometimes you get those issues under control and all of a sudden all these other things that you had start to melt away. You start to sleep better. um, You start to be less anxious at work and so forth. There is still a lot of stigma around mental health and especially in communities of color. Um, And so that's something that we really have to deal with too. And a lot of time having that person right there to pass somebody off to. So if the physician is working with somebody and they can pass them to the counselor right away and make that introduction, it's less threatening because then they already know that person. They say, oh, you know, this counselor is really here to help me. I don't have to like make an appointment and then worry and be nervous about it before I come if they're not familiar with this kind of system. Um, and so we've found that that integrated care can really help address that issue of people not realizing what's the difference between mental and, and uh, physical health issues. Explain a little more about the demographics uh, of the population you serve. Yeah, sure. So our patients are about 95% Latino. In terms of country of origin. Most of them are from Mexico. Our adult patients are about 50% uninsured, about 50% have insurance, most of them on Medicaid. Our children are almost all insured through the Medicaid program. And so they're really low-income working folks um, who uh, don't have health insurance through their job, who are maybe working irregular jobs, um, nannies or cleaning people or things like that, where they don't get health insurance. And so Medicaid is a real lifesaver for those people. In talking to patients and medical professionals working at Esperanza, what's emerged as some of the big barriers people face when they're trying to access mental health care? I talked about stigma already. I do think that stigma is, has reduced in the last 10 or 20 years. Um, people are talking about it more. It's become more normalized. And I mean, we have the media to thank for that. We have a lot of discussion in, in our society to help. But I think the other thing is payment. And in Illinois, for instance, uh, we get paid about $54 for a visit from a Medicaid patient for therapy. But that visit costs us over $70 to provide. And so we actually wind up subsidizing the state. Um, to provide that service. For the uninsured patients, our uninsured patients pay $5 for a visit. If they can't afford that, we'll waive it. Um, But that service still costs $70, and so raising money to cover that. So I think that payment is a big problem. Um, I think people who have private insurance recognize this as well. You know, there are limitations on mental health services and so forth. And even though there have been laws passed that say we need to treat them the same, uh, they're not really quite the same yet in our society um, in terms of reimbursement and the way that the system treats them. So we we have to talk about a sustainable uh, model for Esperanza. And if you are at this point subsidizing the state to provide this kind of service, how have you developed a model that you you can sustain all of the services you provide? Yeah, well, we're really lucky because as a community health center, we're technically called a federally qualified health center. That's very jargony. Um, But we do receive a grant from the federal government that helps offset part of the cost. We also do a lot of fundraising. So we have events and have private donors and so forth, and and we do a lot of that work. And grants can really help bridge the gap. A lot of time, grants from foundations, though, are short-term or or maybe medium-term, and so sustaining that work over the long-term can be difficult. Now I want to bring another voice into this conversation on closing the gap in access to mental health care on the Southwest side. Tanya Lozano is founder and CEO of Healthy Hood. That's a community center based out of Lincoln United Methodist Church in Pilsen. Tanya, welcome to the program. 
Hi, thank you for having me. So you've seen the need for mental health services in your area firsthand. Tell us about Healthy Hood and, and how it's working to address mental health issues on the southwest side. Sure. So Healthy Hood was um, birthed uh, to combat the 20-year life expectancy gap that exists between communities of color and affluent communities in the city of Chicago. It's actually the largest life expectancy gap in all of the nation. Um, and so we really started off providing fitness and wellness classes to the community by instructors of color. And so we had a, a very, obviously we're a very popular place in underserved communities. And so having the physical community at our space, we were really able to see that the mental health really, it's an epidemic at this point, is really specifically targeting these underserved communities. You're putting together research on this issue. Talk a bit about that. Right. So the, the mental health initiatives uh, that we've begun really is volunteer-based. So we have about 75 mental health professionals of all kinds um, who are providing their services for free to the community out of our space. So we have 80 volunteers, and each of them are donating biweekly sessions. So it's really just two hours a month of volunteer work for these mental health professionals. And so we really are kind of doing an exchange of services concept here, but we're specifically trying to expose the flaws in the healthcare system pertaining to the undocumented community and the immigrant community. So most of the members of our program are either undocumented or members of a mixed status family, meaning somebody, one or two members of their family are undocumented. What we're trying to do with the research component is expose that the political climate is contributing to the mental health epidemic. And it needs to be acknowledged. And it also, we need to acknowledge that an epidemic isn't a coincidence. And just like any epidemic, there needs to be a plan for urgent aid. So this initiative is called Get Your Mind Right. It went live last month. All the slots were filled within 15 minutes. What kind of feedback have you heard from people who are participating? Well, number one, they feel that the access has contributed to the stigma. And so, or the lack of access, I should say, has contributed to the stigma. So in being able to provide the service for free, it's also helping with taking away that stigma. But I think it does go to show that people are in need of these services and are willing to, you know, take advantage of these services. But it, the way that the healthcare system is set up specifically pertaining to mental health makes it almost impossible for undocumented or uninsured people to access it. And so I think it's, it's an exciting time, but it's also a time to, to branch out and not deal with just our physical community at Healthy Hood, but if, figure out a way to get policy to acknowledge that something needs to happen. Well, speaking of policy, what would you like to see from the city or other community organizations when it comes to addressing the lack of mental health services in the area? I think just the overall system itself and how it's set up, the education, is not... Um, completely culturally competent. It's set up to kind of complement the capitalistic system, right? So that these people, these health prof- mental health professionals specifically of color are going to school to gain all of these resources. But the only way for them to actually make any money off of all of their education and their career is to provide these resources to people who can afford them. And unfortunately, those are affluent people. So that it's just contributing to this life expectancy gap. And just like the CEO of Esperanza was saying is that the mental aspect is contributing to all of the physical diseases and, uh, you know, have unhealthy habits that are causing the life expectancy gap. Well, you hope to open the Get Your Mind Right program to more people in the coming months as soon as March. How can people sign up or learn more about the services you provide? 
Right. So you could visit our website at healthyhoodshy.com, shy like Chicago, and you'd find more information there. We also are on all social media platforms as healthyhoodshy as well. But there will be spots opening up soon, so I don't want people to get discouraged because they got filled so quickly. The way we're setting it up is that we really truly believe at Healthy Hood that community heals best. And so when you sign up, you're going you're gonna to get that individual attention for a minimum of four sessions. But then at the healer's discretion, you'd be able to move on to group therapy. And there is where we think the actual work is going to happen. It's also going to allow for slots to open up for new participants. That's Tanya Lozano of Healthy Hood. Tanya, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me. And here in studio with me is Dan Fulweiler, CEO of Esperanza Health Centers. And Dan, you were nodding along as Tanya was speaking there. What really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I really admire the work that Tanya is doing so much. I actually just heard about it this week as well. And it's really great to see somebody who's taking the bull by the horns and, and really making things happen in the community. I think that um, when you look at the the way that the program is set up, though, it's a little bit discouraging because she's got all these wonderful volunteers who are doing great work, but it's also just not sufficient to meet the whole need. And I think what Tanya pointed out in terms of reimbursement is sort of the same thing I was saying, which is we as a society really need to value this service. And valuing it means we need to pay so that people can actually make a living doing it. And um, you, you, she mentioned um, uh, private therapists who go to school and then have debts to pay off. You know, if they're working for private insurance, they might get $140 for a visit, $170 for a visit. If they're going to see a Medicaid patient, they're going to get less than $50 for that visit. So at a policy level, what do you think needs to change to make it easier for people to access mental health services, but also to make sure there are enough providers in communities to give those services. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think we need payment reform, and I think we need to think about that really significantly. There are some really interesting things going on in Chicago right now in terms of payment reform. I think that Cook County is thinking, Cook County um, County Care is thinking about that really closely. And I know that um, at the Department of Healthcare and Family Services, they understand that this is a problem and they're working on it. So I'm hopeful for that. Well, the city shut down half its mental health clinics in in 2011. There are now six on the campaign trail. And while in office, Mayor Lightfoot pledged to repair the city's mental health system at the city level. What would you like to see when it comes to addressing the lack of mental health services? Yeah, so I think there are a couple things there. The mayor has been very clear that she feels that there's inadequate mental health services in the city. I think she's also pretty clear that the city can't meet all those needs by themselves. Um, The clinics that the city closed 10 years ago or so really were a drop in the bucket compared to the need. Uh, They were serving several thousand patients, but there are over 200,000 people in the city who need mental health services. And so I think that her plan, she's put forward a plan to really fund additional care in neighborhoods um, by private nonprofits who can really amplify amplify a grant from the city by helping um, leverage dollars from additional sources to serve more people and get more people into care. I think the other thing that the city has done that's really important is to create an access line for this. And I think you maybe have the number for NAMI Chicago, but they're actually an organization that um, is serving as a clearinghouse for the city of Chicago to help people get the care that they need. And I think what, what the other guest was talking about is really important that people don't know where to go. And that is a huge issue. There actually maybe are more services than people are aware of at 
Esperanza, for instance, we can see patients this week both for therapy and for psychiatry. We have appointments available. Um, they'll probably fill up by the end of the week, but we can get people in in relatively short order. So sometimes there's a disparity between knowing where to go and then the you know that there are services, but people don't know how to get them. I said uh, the city shut down mental health clinics in 2011. It was actually 2012. Just wanted to correct that. You know, we were talking to Tanya, and she said something that stood out to me about healing coming from the community. Yeah. And your work at Esperanza, how do you center community and community connection in your work? You know, that's so important. Um, I can tell you a little bit about one of the programs that we do that we think is really valuable. I think everybody's heard about the the, um, problems in the Chicago public schools with authoring mental health services. So we're very active with community organizations. The Marshall Square Resource Network is one of those. It's located uh, in Marshall Square, which is sort of the east part of Little Village. And as part of that, I meet on a regular basis with other people who are involved in the community, including principals. And one time, one of the principals came to me. Her name is Ana Maria Orbe from Hammond Elementary. And she said, you know, Dan, I've got this real problem. I've got eight or ten kids, um, this is a K-8 through school, who just can't sit still during class. They're acting out all the time. They're having problems with emotional regulation. And honestly, they mess it up for everybody else. And she says, I've got some counseling services in my school, but what they're really for is dealing with kids who are already on IEPs, individualized education plans. They, they do a lot of paperwork, but they're not doing therapy. And what these kids need is therapy. So through a grant that we got from Westside United, we were actually thrilled to put a counselor in that school one day a week. And that counselor deals with these kids whose parents are maybe working two jobs, don't have time to take the kid to weekly therapy sessions. How are they going to find weekly therapy in the evening anyway? These kids really need therapy in school. And so we provide these kids weekly therapy and the principal has said it's a godsend because it doesn't only help the kids that you're talking to there, but it also helps all of the rest of the school because now the kids can all pay attention in class because they're not disturbed by this disruptive behavior. That's Dan Fulweiler, the CEO of Esperanza Health Centers on Chicago's southwest side. And you can always reach out to NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, at 312-963-0445. And that's today's Reset. Make sure you're subscribed so that you never miss a conversation or tell your smart speaker to play Reset with Jen White. I am the aforementioned Jen White. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.